Welcome to The Abandoned Carousel, the show where I take a deep dive into the stories of the most interesting abandoned and defunct theme parks and amusements in the world. I'm your host, Ashley. This week on The Abandoned Carousel, something not too familiar, but not too not familiar. I'm going to tell you a spooky story about one of the most well-known, spookiest abandoned theme parks. And then I'm going to tell you the truth behind the legend. This week, the story of Takako Numa Greenland. In Japan's Fukushima Prefecture, there is an abandoned amusement park known as Takako no Numa Greenland. It sits in the outskirts of Hobara a section of the Japanese city of Date. Very little is known about this park, and its exact location is largely unknown. You can't find it on any Japanese map, as it simply isn't there. Supposedly, its coordinates are 37 degrees, 49 minutes, 2.16 seconds north, 140 degrees, 33 minutes, 5.78 seconds east. But. If they are put into Google Maps, the search will be directed to the center of Hobara. This is inaccurate since the park is hidden in a mountainous, rural area. The only major information known about Takaka no Numa Greenland is that it opened in 1973 and closed two years later. Some claim that this was due to poor ticket sales and needed renovations but locals say that it was because of a significant amount of deaths on the rides. Miraculously, the park reopened in 1986, but struggled to remain open due to increased competition from bigger parks, such as Tokyo Disneyland, as well as financial trouble. Finally, in 1999, Takaka no Numa Greenland closed for good. Following its closure, the amusement park was left to rot. Photographs from urban explorers who have infiltrated the area show a massive amount of decay. The Ferris wheel and the roller coaster are covered in rust, the entrance is covered in graffiti, and the premises are being reclaimed by plants. The most notable feature of the park is the dense fog that always looms over it, giving off a Silent Hill feeling. Like the information about the area, there is very little photography and video of it. Allegedly, Takaka no Numa Greenland was demolished in 2006 and now sits as an empty lot. However, in 2007, a citizen of the United Kingdom named Bill Edwards claimed to have visited an untouched, completely intact park. Supposedly, he took numerous pictures that were identical to those taken before the park's supposed demolition, showing the same rusty, forgotten rides. However, According to rumor, when uploading these photos, only one appeared on his computer. This picture shows the entrance to the park on a foggy night, illuminated by the flash from the camera. In the center of this picture, you can barely make out the figure of what looks like a six-year-old girl in a white dress. She appears to be staring at the photographer with a serious, indifferent face. The girl has never been identified and the whereabouts of Bill Edwards are currently unknown. 
Many elements of the story I just told you contain truth, like some of the best stories. But of course, parts, many parts, are fiction. What I just told you was a creepypasta, posted on creepypasta.com on April 26, 2013. Before we can get to the truth behind Takako Numa Greenland, let's talk about creepypasta. What on earth is a creepypasta? I'll be drawing heavily in this section from an excellent article by the phenomenal Asia Romano, now at Fox and formerly at The Daily Dot. I encourage you to read the whole article, which, of course, I will link in the show notes. As always, theabandonedcarousel.com. And for this episode, theabandonedcarousel.com backslash 22. Now, creepypasta is one of those internet-y portmanteau words. It's a spinoff of copypasta, which is a portmanteau of copy-paste. Copypasta was first used as a term online around 2006. This was essentially blocks of text that were copied and pasted around the internet, often with a spammy or trollish intent. And Wikipedia gives examples of the script from the B-movie as one of these famous copypastas. Creepypasta then began as a similar idea, text that is easily copied and pasted, but with the intent of sharing realistic horror stories, urban legends, stuff like that. Now, these often have a basis in reality or fact, and are presented in sort of a journalistic, hey, I was there type of story. Yes, they are modern urban legends. They are modern versions of those scary stories to tell in the dark. Those were the height of popularity when I was a kid. At their most basic form, creepypastas are only a few paragraphs long, just enough to send a little shiver up your spine. As the genre has grown and expanded, though, new stories have really pushed the bounds of the genre with multiple updates, images, realistic social media account postings, etc. Think Blair Witch Project, but for the modern age. And these stories are surprisingly kind of old in the internet age, but really not all that old. Creepypasta.com was created in 2008, 11 years ago and the related subreddit r slash no sleep was established in 2010. Originally, these creepypasta stories were anonymous. That was kind of the point. The The story about Takako Numa Greenland that I read at the beginning of the episode, it was anonymous. In one of the many histories of creepypasta that are floating around the internet, Jessica Roy for Time Magazine points to early stories that were shared around the depths of Usenet and chain emails in the 1990s. The aforementioned Asia Romano points to the story of Ted the Caver as the earliest true creepypasta, and this story appeared on Angel Fire, do you remember that website? In 2001 and tells the story of an explorer and an increasingly frightening system of caves. That was then. Today, authorship is more important. Ironically, copying and pasting of creepypasta is much less common now, because it's seen as intellectual property theft. Some creepypastas have even been spun into original novels or other media properties. Truly, today then, they're simply collections of horror-themed stories instead of the anonymous, realistic urban legends that they originated as. Given all that, then, the story I read to you at the beginning of the show 
was a creepypasta. It was posted to creepypasta.com in 2013. And much of this tale does ring true. Let's dig in and separate the wheat from the chaff of the real story of this mysterious abandoned theme park, and let's debunk some of the taller tales. It's both interesting and challenging that most of the information easily available about this park is in the form of fiction. The park is called Takako Numa Greenland. It's actually one of the more popular abandoned or haunted theme parks out there, and it regularly appears on lists around the internet. Before I even get into it, one of the interesting things about this place is the difference between English language posts about the park and Japanese language posts about the park. It's really only in the English posts that the wild tales abound. The Japanese posts in general recount some of the wilder English tales, but all seem to comment on how Americans or foreigners place the park on the lists of haunted places. All right, so first things first, the name. American sites, including the creepypasta.com site, frequently spell the name as Takaka no Numa Greenland. Surprisingly, not the actual name. The site Blogitos helped clarify this topic for me, and hopefully for you if you choose to go read it. Locally, the park appears to have primarily been called Greenland or Greenlands. As the park picked up steam with Americans, the kanji were mistranslated. Now, I don't speak Japanese, and I only know what I can read through Google Translate, but here's what Blogito says. There's a joining particle in Japanese, no. However, proper nouns wouldn't use this. So an example would be you wouldn't say... Indiana No University as a proper noun, because Indiana No University would mean any university in Indiana, not specifically the proper noun Indiana University. I hope that makes sense. So instead of Takaka No Numa, the correct name is Takako Numa, literally Takako, a place, and Numa or Numanishi, another place. Occasionally, you'll also see references to the place as Numa Greenland, but I've not really been able to find any clear etymology explaining that particular name, and it might just be a nickname. You might have missed it from the creepypasta I read at the beginning, but the location of this abandoned park does feature heavily in some later versions of the story. You will alternately see the city referred to as either Date or Hobara, and both are kind of correct. Hobara is the old name. Along with 20 other towns and villages, the area has become incorporated into the modern city of Date since January 2006. Both of these cities, though, are located in Fukushima province. You might be familiar with that name. Fukushima, of course, is the site of the 2011 nuclear meltdown at the nuclear power plant station there. In brief, in March 2011, there was an earthquake, and it was the most powerful earthquake ever recorded in Japan, and the fourth most powerful earthquake ever recorded in the world. The quake triggered tsunami waves, which swept across the islands, and one of the results of this natural disaster was the failure of the cooling systems at Fukushima's Daiichi nuclear power plant. And of course, you know, this was only eight years ago now, so you probably remember this, but... 
This incident was memorable as well for being the most severe nuclear disaster since the 1986 Chernobyl meltdown. Chernobyl and Fukushima are actually the only two incidents to be labeled level 7 on the nuclear event scale, where level 7 is the worst, a major event. And for comparison, the 1979 Three Mile Island incident uh, that occurred here in the States was labeled as a level 5. With the failure of the cooling systems then from the natural disaster, three of the reactors at Fukushima Daiichi experienced nuclear meltdowns and hydrogen explosions. And as with any nuclear incident, of course, the concern is for the spread and release of radioactive materials. Contamination of the Pacific Ocean with radioactive cesium has been the primary concern from this incident. And as of 2018, radiation inside the reactor buildings is reportedly still too high to safely enter. But despite some controversy, various world organizations don't actually predict any significant ongoing health effects from the incident. While this nuclear accident was a huge one, it didn't actually affect Takakonuma, Greenland. The nuclear power plant and the theme park are located about 100 kilometers from one another, pretty far apart. For my American friends, that's 62 miles. The reason that this is relevant, and I'm even telling you this, is because many of the versions and rumors of the park's history that you can see online claim that the park is so-called soaking in toxic radiation from this meltdown. Based on geography alone, this is completely untrue. And by that point, the park had been torn down. But we'll get there. With these basic facts established, let's run through a more complete, true history of Takakonuma, Greenland. Takakonuma, Greenland was a theme park. It opened as Takakonuma Family Park in 1973 on the side of a small mountain. Maybe you'd call it a hill. At the time it opened, the town the park was located in was called Hobara. From what I can understand... Hobara is a place out in the countryside, fairly rural, though considered densely populated for a rural area. The area is full of rice fields and fruit orchards. And at the time, there were no other amusement parks in the area, so the park did reasonably well. Now, contrary to popular legend and rumor, of course there are pictures available from multiple points during the park's operation. On Facebook, I was able to find photos from the park's operation during this time. Um, And of course, again, as I will say throughout this episode, the links are in the show notes. Please go refer to them. There are some great images that I'm going to be talking about today. This album is titled Around 1975 at Takakonuma, Greenland. And there are two pictures. One shows the chain tower, Swings, and the other shows what appears to be like a petting zoo. The park, unfortunately, didn't last. Business deteriorated for unknown reasons, and the park shut down after two years. Not only did it shut down, it stayed closed for almost a decade. After its closure as Takakonuma Family Park, the property was sold. The property stayed closed until the early 80s, undergoing refurbishment and upgrades. I've seen multiple sources for the reopening date. Spacey.jp gives the date of April 1982, and the Roller Coaster Database gives 1985 as the date. But either way, in the early to mid-80s, the park reopened under the new name 
Takakonuma, Greenland. And it had a whole bunch of new rides. The park quickly gained popularity and notoriety for being the only park in the area with a roller coaster. And spoiler alert, it actually had two. It's not entirely clear whether the coasters were installed during the reopening and rebranding, but this does seem most likely. The 1975 photos that I mentioned earlier don't show any coasters on the hill where they would have been located, which lends support to this theory of date of installation. So for the next few years, things went well. Admission was relatively cheap, 700 yen, about 650, for adults, and 500 yen, about 450, for kids. Of course, each ride inside the park then required additional tickets that were purchased at an additional cost. Unfortunately, mega parks were being built. Tokyo Disney Sea, Tokyo Disneyland, three and a half hours away, Universal Studios Japan, six hours away, and plenty of other newer, smaller parks were even closer. Instead of visiting Takakonuma Greenland, guests started to go elsewhere. It, it wasn't convenient to get to Takakonuma Greenland using public transportation, either. And at the same time, the amenities at Takakonuma Greenland were rapidly aging. Some sites describe the place at this time as, quote-unquote, severely outdated. And in addition, there was the weather and the elements. The area is humid, moist. It sees regular rain and snow. Rides require constant maintenance out in the elements. And with the problems introduced in the economic bubble collapse of the 90s in Japan, the rides and the park in general weren't getting the maintenance that they needed. There were no upgrades, no new rides. In fact, rides were beginning to be taken away and sold before the park itself closed. The location of the park on the hillside was also difficult. There were constant maintenance needed to trim back the vegetation, and there were also reports about erosion and partial collapses of some of the land area. And by the end of the park's operation, the schedule was erratic. Some months it was only open on Wednesdays. Others, it was only open on the weekends. And it seems that the park constantly changed management over the short period it was open. One source reports five different owners between 1982 and 1999. Ultimately, the reason given for Takagonuma Greenland's closure in 1999 is the same reason that we see for so many parks here. Quote-unquote, management difficulties also known as it was no longer profitable to operate the park. Yes, the owners could keep running it, but investing additional money into the park in form of maintenance or new rides was a losing strategy. You see, zooming out more broadly, Japan's economy had hit a rough patch. In the second half of the 20th century, Japan's economy was strong, perhaps overly so. The economic bubble burst at the start of the 1990s with a stock market crash, leading to the quote-unquote lost decade. The GDP fell, real wages fell, and the country experienced a stagnant price level that took decades to recover from. Against this economic background, it's not surprising that the choice was made to shutter Takako Numa Greenland in the late 90s. The description in translation from the Japanese sites that I've read about the park are beautiful. The park was, quote, left in the wind to wave, end quote, says one site. Reportedly, the park owners literally just closed the park and left. 
They didn't want to pay to dismantle the park. They simply just walked away. Other sites describe the situation a little differently, saying that indecision on the future of the property was the reason for the park's long abandonment prior to its demolition. It took almost another decade before the park was demolished, which left plenty of time for urban explorers to visit and for rumors to fester. It's not clear why all of the stories about Takako Numa Greenland include the incorrect longitudinal coordinates. In the show notes, I'll include a direct link to the street view of the site as it stands today, or at least in 2014, which is when a Google car last drove by. I suppose including directly false information in the creepypasta makes the tale more mysterious, but I do hate to see it. It really is a real place, and you can really see it on Google Maps. Or at least you can see what it is now. Nowadays, there's solar panels there. It's a solar factory. One of the other big parts of the Takakonuma Greenland legend is that there are no photos of it, or few photos of it. You might think of the few very popular images. There's a rusty coaster in the fog, orange-red rust dripping down over peeling white paint. In another of the popular images, a strange, small Ferris wheel with these round buckets looms in the background of the rusty white coaster, ominous and foggy. And a third from a different angle, a green grassy hill with a sign in large white Japanese characters. At the top center, the Ferris wheel faded behind fog clouds. And to the right, a white roller coaster on incredibly high supports, looking like something out of a horror movie as it looms over the hill in the fog. Or as the creepypasta states, despite many photos taken by an urban explorer by the name of Bill Edwards, only one photo would ever upload featuring a haunted girl in a white dress on a foggy night. Of course, none of this is true. The history of the park is well documented if you look in the right places. The thing is, despite the modern legend about the park, the place was originally just a small local theme park that was open for a couple of decades. Not many people, relatively, visited the park, and many of the touristy operational pictures and videos of the place are likely just shoved in someone's closet or a dusty photo album. But that's not to say that there aren't photos and videos, though. Today, we've got Google Translate. It makes it, while not perfect, a lot easier to search for things in other languages. And boy howdy, it's probably not surprising that on Japanese language sites, there are a lot more factual details, fond commenters reminiscing about their childhood at the park, and of course, photos and videos of Takakonuma Greenland. In fact, I'm going to shape the majority of the rest of the episode around a photo tour of the park from an urban explorer, Kook, who visited in the fall of 2004. In addition, those primary images that I described that you always see, most of those are by Gens of Japan, and you can find them on his Flickr page or on his website. I'll include links to each relevant image in the show notes. We haven't really talked about the park in any detail, only about the park as an abstract concept. So let's take a visit to Takakonuma Greenland, as it was. Of course, there was a car park at the front of the park, though the park was reasonably accessible by train and bus. 
after you got out of your car, you could walk with your fellow visitors up to the park gate. This was shaped like a castle gate, with a ticket line on one side and a park office on the other. At one time, the park's name would have been proudly spelled out across the top of the castle gate archway. By the time of our tour in the park's abandonment, this had long fallen down. Of course, the whole thing is done up in a rather ugly shade of teal green with red roofs on the top of each turret tower. To the right of the gate as you face it, there was the park map up on a very large billboard. And this is really kind of a unique and very cool find and a really cool feature of this park. This map actually remained after the park closed, and I've drawn my own version of the map to include throughout the show notes on the show notes page, and so feel free to refer to it at any time. The map is really our first indication of the park's decline even prior to its closure because several of the rides that were pictured on the map were actually closed because their names were scraped off of the painted sign. In fact, the most obvious closed ride is missing. It's never been pictured at the park. It would have been immediately in front of you as you entered through the park gate. First, of course, there was a general ticket booth, small, not imposing, where guests could purchase more tickets for each ride. Remember, you paid one fee to enter the park, and then you paid for each ride. The rides were listed with the number of tickets that each one took. And behind the booth, there would have been an Enterprise ride. You might remember this ride from the abandoned Yangon Amusement Park episode. This is a flat ride. It starts out like a merry-go-round, and then it raises up at an angle more like a Ferris wheel once it's up to speed. And it was a pretty popular thrill ride for some time. The Enterprise is clearly visible on the park map. It's an incredibly distinctive ride, but there are no photos of this ride and not even a hint of its demolished state. Perhaps it was planned and never added. The space in this area does appear quite tight, or perhaps it was removed. To the left of the main entrance was another classic flat ride. This one is called the Looper, or the Rock and Roll. The Takako Numa Greenland version might have been called Twister, although this is not clear. You might remember me describing this ride in the abandoned Yangon Park episode as well. I think I called it Tuna Cans on a Carousel Frame. I've learned a wee bit more about these rides since then, but I think my description still holds. In the United States, you can find a refurbished version of this ride at Nobles in Pennsylvania. You essentially are in a tuna can, and you and your fellow rider can spin the tuna can back and forth or even 360 degrees, while the whole carousel of tuna cans also goes around in a circle. Personally, I would call it a vomit comet, but that's because this is not my kind of ride. An image from 2006 of Takako Numa Greenland shows the area where this ride was well demolished. One of the tuna cans in the picture is just sitting askew on top of a circular platform full of rubble. And you can see even next to the area, some of the tuna cans just sitting on the ground, disassembled. As you stood there in the entrance plaza, one thing stood out, how steep and hilly this park was. The entrance was at the base of the hill, and the Ferris wheel stood at the pinnacle. The rest of the park rose up the hillside in front of you, requiring terraced paths and platforms, making space for the ride throughout the trees. 
Now, if we turn to the right, we can take a look at one of the most photogenic parts of Takagonuma, Greenland, the young children's area. There was a train, there were swings, and of course, a carousel. During the park's operation, the merry-go-round really stood out. I'll include a link to a photo I found of the operational merry-go-round from a visitor at that time. Even during its abandonment, the merry-go-round still stands out. It has beautiful, elegant horses, all white with colorful saddles and bridles. And I have to say, despite all of my carousel research from a couple weeks ago in the last episode, I, I really can't quite tell you which style these horses would be characterized under. I, I guess I better keep studying. There were ornate decorations around the central column of the carousel as well. Gold-colored leaf on fancy carvings around several mirrors. By the time the park was abandoned and had begun to be visited by urban explorers, the brilliantly colored canopy was long gone, faded and hanging down from the skeletal support structure in tatters. Some of their horses had been stolen, their supports beginning to rust and break. And that gold leaf all over the carousel long since flaked away, leaving behind sinister black carvings with, oddly enough, bright red roses remaining. Next to the carousel stood the Chain Tower, a menacing name for a standard swing-type ride that had been at the park since the beginning in the 1970s. Originally, the photos show that it was painted in sort of a color block yellow and blue scheme. By the time of the park's abandoned days, the ride had clearly been through a number of different paint schemes. During the ride's operation, the children sat in chairs that were attached by two ropes to a triangle handle of each swing position on the carousel that then swung around. By the time the park was abandoned, the seats were long gone, leaving behind only these eerie, dangling triangles. And encircling this area was the SL or steam locomotive. Yes, of course, there was a miniature train. It took two tickets to ride, according to a 2005 image of the sign. I'm starting to think that I should have given this podcast a train-themed name instead of a carousel-themed name, given how often each thing appears on our theme parks. From the images, the train station was a nice, shaded spot to wait for the small little train. Of course, by the time of the known uh, abandoned images that we've got in 2004 and 2006, the train itself was, of course, long gone. An image from the overpass over the train tracks shows the structure of the children's area, including its very close proximity to the gate. And the carousel and the swing tower would have been visible from the road. Everything in the park was really visible from the road, serving to attract visitors to the park. And walking from the overpass up the hill, you would then see this tan building. Nicely built, yes, but painted tan all over, including windows and clocks. Maybe maybe you'd describe it as more camouflage than tan. Anyhow, this was a multi-purpose building. During most of the park's operation, it was a haunted house or a natural history insect museum. Not at the same time. But... This is another of the items that were scraped off the guide map at the front, so it clearly closed sometime before the park itself. Inside, not much is left, just oddly painted walls, a few broken game consoles, 
but this building was actually apparently used for the filming of the movie Kamen Rider 555, thus the camo paint job. And across from the former haunted house in the center of the park sits the largest building in the park, and this too got a camouflage paint job for the movie filming. I'm, I'm unable to translate the actual name of this one from the sign, but it was called by some a free rest area, and I think it was also a restaurant. It was like a restaurant and a store. There's some suggestion that it was a theater or stage as well. Um, and across from this, another small shop that was a snack house. And this included a kind of interesting set of things in the abandoned images, a storage shed where there were skates and a very sad-looking Zamboni. So apparently at one time, the park hosted ice skating. It's not clear if there was an artificial rink somewhere on the grounds or if the skating was done on the marsh for which the park is named. Going out of the buildings, you're already at the left-hand side of the park. Yes, this is a very small park. There stood a sky cycle the next ride that you'd come across. Sky Cycle, how fancy is that? This is a two-person monorail type ride where guests pedal themselves around an elevated track at their own pace overlooking the park below. It's a simple ride, but it's sort of easily terrifying. There's nothing but this basic seatbelt to keep you in place and you're just so far off the ground and only your own feet can move you along. And the cars are really spindly and fragile looking, like, like odd bird skeletons. By the time of our urban exploration visits, a, a section of the Sky Cycle track had fallen down or perhaps had been cut down or removed on purpose. And this has led to some excellent photos where Sky Cycles were guided to the end of the track and pushed off into large, large different piles. And these piles were right on top of the small go-kart track that was underneath the Sky Cycle track. By the time of the park's abandonment, the go-kart track was vastly overgrown, go-karts long since stolen and stripped of parts. Not much remained to be documented in this area, just a few empty shells of cars looking like forlorn, rusty lawnmowers. Behind the go-karts, we walk up the hill, to the stars of the park, the Bobster, the Adventure Coaster, and the Ferris Wheel. The park gained popularity and notoriety, as I told you, for being the only park with a roller coaster in the area at that time. In fact, it actually had two roller coasters, although this isn't immediately obvious from the abandoned photos that you see. I'll, I'll again link to an image which sets the scene nicely, showing the entrance to the Bobster, with the adventure coaster just up the hill out of the frame. So Bobster was the first coaster that we'll talk about. It's a smaller coaster. It was made by Togo, and you can actually find some pictures at the roller coaster database, as well as on all of the abandoned photographers' blogs that I'm uh, referring to throughout these sections. And actually, although this seems like a very sort of common ubiquitous kind of ride, there were only three Bobsters ever made. But one is still operational. You could go ride it today. It's at Shirakabo Resort Family Land, also in Japan. These coasters were all manufactured in the early 1980s, and they feature um, a single car with three riders all in a row. 
If you're listening and haven't had a chance to click over to the pictures that I'm referring to, think about the Jetstar and the Jetstar 2 and that general genre of 1980s retro futuristic design, and you've got the Bobster. The front of the car almost looks like a face with a big oval mouth and two sort of lights. I'm not sure if they ever worked for eyes. The Bobster remained waiting on the track for riders until the very end, with a spare car parked on a side track, and two cars left waiting at the station, exposed to the elements even years after the park last operated, the cushions faded and peeling. In the abandoned state, the grasses and small pines grew up around and through the Bobster track, leading to some incredibly eerie photos. Up the hill was the bigger coaster, and this is perhaps the more iconic one in our knowledge of the abandoned park. It was called by two names on official park signage, both Jet Coaster and Adventure Coaster. It featured a white track and red, sort of squared off looking cars with three white stars painted on the fronts. The roller coaster database suggests that this was a quote unquote non looping version of a Maisho amusement company coaster, but we don't know the exact sort of model of this kind of coaster. Most indications are, like I talked about earlier, that this coaster was installed in 1982 when the park was renovated. The coaster does look particularly thrilling in photos, especially in the often foggy environments of this area of Japan. The track itself doesn't seem to have been particularly exciting, but with the coaster up on a hillside, the track is quite elevated, so you get some extra thrills from that. And in particular contrast to the repeated urban legend claims about the lack of imagery of the park in operation, we have video of this ride in operation. There's this 1990 video of Takako Numa Greenland that's up on YouTube. And you can see the roller coaster from a variety of different angles, including an on-ride view. It's actually a great video, and I suggest you go check it out. You can see how the park is really set up. You can see guests queuing for the ride along the entire length of the lift hill. And it's actually really interesting because the park was definitely built in a different time period safety-wise. At one point, there's nothing but a very short stretch of three-foot chain-link fence separating curious guests from the first drop on the coaster. The ride itself in motion seems kind of tame. It doesn't have significant drops or airtime, and it seems to go pretty slowly. But in its abandoned state, this coaster is one of the primary stars of the park. The rails are incredibly rusted after only five years of abandonment, which must speak to how poorly the coaster was maintained to begin with. Reddish-orange streaks drip over the entire structure, rust like an ominous, just icing. Finally, up at the top of the hill, past the Bobster and the Adventure Coaster, sat the Ferris wheel. I love the look of this wheel, with round cars almost like teardrops dangling from the circular frame. All of the urban explorer photographers have oodles of photos of the wheel, and like I said, it's one of the iconic parts of the park. By the time of our photographer's visit, some five years after the ride last spun, vines and other climbing plants had overtaken the wheel, climbing up the support poles and wrapping around the lower gondolas. 
The wheel is small, reportedly only 25 meters in diameter, but like I said, it's incredibly charming looking. A nicely kept version of this same wheel still operates at Kamin Park in Hitachi, and you can still ride it there today. Of course, as I mentioned, certain rides were shuttered before the park itself even closed. We've already talked about a few of these. The Looper and the Enterprise both had their names scraped from the park map. Other things like a picnic area and a place where kids could ride motorized cars like you might find at a mall, those were also scratched off the map. Labeled but rarely seen is what some call ducks, number five on the park map, and across from it, the flying elephants, number four on the map. And the map image for the quote-unquote ducks appears to be children riding in a dog, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. And it's possible that the common translation of ducks is incorrect. One site that I found called it docks, as in dachshund, which would make much more sense with the image of children riding on a dog. Most of the pictures of this area are nothing but piles of rubble. One saw a sign showing a goldfish and a turtle, which is mysterious, but not very helpful. Otherwise, the area was primarily just broken parts, grass, and concrete in the time of the photographer's visits that I've been referring to. Urban explorers also report a concrete slide down the side of the hill, which is not labeled on the map. Perhaps this is what a part of what is labeled as the children's outdoor picnic area. It's not clear. If you watch the video of the park's operation, you can also see at the beginning of that video an impressive Viking boat. This one themed to a dragon theme with two ferocious heads. You know, your standard kind of big, giant, swinging Viking ship. This was marked on the map, but not visible in any of the urbex images, so it's likely that this ride was sold rather than scrapped. Up beyond the haunted house, there was also once an outdoor petting zoo, said to have featured reindeer and bunny rabbits, a very interesting combination. This too was scraped off the sign, indicating an early closure prior to the park's closure. It seems really that the resource-heavy rides requiring staff manpower were closed early to save staff hours and perhaps make some money back when the writing was already on the wall. Think about the Enterprise and the Viking boat that both appear to have been sold. Of course, in its abandoned years, the park was actually memorialized not only by urban explorers, but in media. There's a music video, the opening theme for the Freedom OVA, plays the song This Is Love by singer Utara Hikaru and has videos of the um, carousel, the sky cycle, and one of the coasters. There's also a video game called Siren 2. This wasn't released in the US. And the already mentioned Common Rider 555. And as we've already discussed, rumors of the demolition of the park abound. The creepypasta describes a still extant park looming out of the fog in 2007. Other sources even claim the park stuck around through 2010, 2012, 2014, prior to demolition. But this is all hearsay and rumor. What we actually know is from yet another photographer, and you can find this person at Historicist on Flickr. And they actually photographed a partially demolished Ferris wheel on January 20th, 2007. 
Not only that, but they also include an image of an excavator beginning to demolish another ride, artistically posed in front of the partially disassembled wheel, this one taken on January 22, 2007. Their comment for this photo? By the next day, the whole park had been demolished. After it had all been scrapped, the park's land sat empty and lifeless for the better part of another decade. If you download the desktop version of Google Maps, you can use the time feature to see the land back through 2010. And you will not see a park. You will see empty concrete circles, torn zigzags in the earth. Urban explorers describe very little left but park benches, concrete curbs, and occasionally small pieces of signage like this eerie frog-shaped sign that was once leading to the jet coaster. In 2014, work began on the site anew. Soon after, and still to this day, the former site of the Takako Numa Greenland Amusement Park was covered in solar panels, gleaming shiny and silver in the rare sunshine. The source of some of these more modern rumors about the demolition date for the park is this single... We've got one single Urbex video, and from the abandoned days. And it shows it's really shaky, it's snow-covered, and it's pixelated, but it shows the Rusty Adventure coaster. The more popular version of the video is actually a repost, and it claims that the posting date of the original video supports that the park was still existent in 2014. But like I said, it's a repost, and the original video clarifies that this was video from an urban exploration in 2003. I'll, of course, include links to both videos in the show notes. I recommend you click through. It's really fantastic and eerie to see this iconic rusted coaster in a video version, um, especially in this strange, snowy environment that you don't see pictures of. The legend of Takako Numa Greenland still persists today. People often write of deaths at the park, though there's no clear available factual information to support this point. There are stories of suicides, of people thrown off the roller coasters, of couples dying by jumping off the haunted house together. They all seem to stem from the English-speaking top 10 lists about abandoned and haunted places. Each site seems trying to top what other sites have written. Every Japanese site writing about the park almost seems politely mystified in my reading by the park's popularity. It's more popular in its abandonment and absence than it ever was when the park actually existed. By all accounts, there's no real evidence for any foul play, bloodshed, death at the park. But still, the legends persist. People report ghostly voices heard near the site of the former coaster, ghosts said to be seen by the former haunted house, quote-unquote strange feelings in the head after visiting the park. Perhaps it's that original creepypasta story which seeds the English-speaking perception of the park. Perhaps it's the relative lack of photos and videos. I think a lot of it, personally, lies in the language barrier. All of the fond remembrances from visitors to the park are in Japanese. I mean, let's be perfectly honest, not only fond remembrances. I've seen people complaining about the small size of the park, the amount of insects that were at the park, and the way that people got injured on specifically the chain tower swings. 
Until recently, not a lot of the pictures of the park were easily available to find. But those that are common show a desolate park, ravaged by the elements. The images that are passed around and reposted bring to mind thoughts of the world without people. That internal imbalancing feeling that abandoned theme park images inspire. Takakonuma Greenland, like other abandoned theme parks, was once a place of laughter and fun, a bustling spot of activity. But abandoned, it's eerie, empty, rusting into pieces, overgrown with nature. Whatever it is about this place, Takakonuma Greenland continues to be one of the parks that is most popular when people are searching for abandoned theme parks. Despite, or perhaps because, of the relative lack of concrete information about the place. After all, everyone loves a good, spooky story, especially around Halloween. After all, when you looked at those abandoned pictures, did you see a ghostly figure of a girl in a white dress peeking out of the fog? Are you sure? Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Abandoned Carousel about the fiction and history of Takakonuma, Greenland in Japan. This week, I'd like to recommend the original photographers to you. I'll, of course, put the links in the reference section of my show notes, but I'll call them out here as well. Many of this week's references are in Japanese, so please use the auto-translate function of your browser. I recommend Google Chrome. If you liked this show, please share it with your friends and leave us a review. For questions, comments, suggestions, you can find my contact information at my website, theabandonedcarousel.com. And again, the show notes for this episode are theabandonedcarousel.com backslash 22. I'll be back soon with another great episode, so I'll see you then. Remember, as Lucy Maud Montgomery once said, Nothing is ever really lost to us, as long as we remember it.